Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. Every day I get to help women rise and find their own healing despite their circumstances. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. If you're looking for just betrayal topics, catch me on my former podcast where there are four years of golden content, all for free at your fingertips. All right, let's do this. Hi, I am Ashlyn Mitchell, and I am from St. George, Utah and live in Orem, Utah. I am a mom of two girls and a podcaster, and I own my own business where I help women from the inside out with fitness and nutrition and healing after betrayal trauma. I got married very young and married someone that I fell in love with that we didn't talk a lot about details or have hard conversations. So we went into marriage pretty blind that love is bliss. And the first week into marriage, I realized something was off. And the energy shifted, and I didn't feel safe. So I started feeling a little bit um, looking for evidence, being a detective, and wasn't sure what was there. So this went on for for six years in our marriage, where we would kind of not talk about this elephant in the room that was. And we had a lot of happy moments, and we both worked full-time. We graduated college. We did our thing. And yet there was that piece of me that thought something is wrong with my marriage. It can't be this hard, but I don't know how to communicate. I was pretty shut down emotionally and wasn't sure what else to do. So we did try therapy and uh, we went with five different therapists just trying to find something that would work. And, And we'd go and it was, you know, pointing fingers at each other saying this is their fault and not taking ownership in whatever part we were playing. And so we just kind of spun in circles. And that year, uh, my former husband came out that he had had an emotional affair, which when you hear an emotional affair, you think, I don't even know what that is. But when you're married to someone and you're committed and you share those deep parts of yourself with them, and then they're choosing to do that with someone else it is very painful and so he was taking those emotional moments to someone else and then I found out he was also consuming porn secretly and that felt like both sides so I was right there in front of him saying here I am and he was choosing to go and look at others and talk to others and not me so I felt I started to realize I felt not enough that was a big negative belief within me is I'll never be enough, not emotionally or physically. And we just kept going. Um, I was told, just get over it. You know, at least he didn't have sex with this person. At least you can move on from it. So I just shoved it down and kept going. And um, two years later, we had our first child and that kind of spun us into a new world of really trying to figure out, okay, how do we parent and how do we continue to try to fix our relationship 
and it really just went into more of the same. I stopped working full time and just dove into motherhood and kind of lost myself there and found validation in I'm a good mom. You know, I look at how great of a mom I can be and don't <laughs> let's ignore this part over here that's really painful for me. And he worked out of the country a lot. And so we just kind of did our own thing and it worked. And again, we found a lot of happy in that time. And um, it was, what, year 14, 15, when I started to learn about this thing called betrayal trauma. And betrayal trauma was introduced to me on Facebook by an acquaintance who had shared her own story of her relationship that had ended because her partner had had an affair and how it had affected her in a very similar way to PTSD. So she found herself being angry and she was clo you know, closed off. She was having nightmares. Uh, she was starting to have physical sickness show up in her body, uh, triggers, flashbacks, things like that. And I started to recognize those things in myself. Like I would come into a room and name call and bring up the past and all the things we shouldn't do in an argument and I'd leave the room and go, who am I? What am I even doing? Because I had become someone that I didn't like and someone that I knew I was not. And so I reached out to this friend and said, here's my story. And I told no one. And she said, you need to come to this conference and you need to start getting educated on what addiction can look like and what betrayal trauma can look like. And I did, and it really started to shift things for me and for my partner at the time. And so when we saw that there, where we live right now is kind of the mecca of healing for those who are struggling in that, those arenas, we started to get help. We dove right into it. Uh, we did not have insurance for therapy and we used our savings to do it. And we ended up spending more on therapy than our college education, which it is what it is. I don't use my college degree anymore, um, but I do use all the therapy skills that I paid for. So we started that journey. I realized very quickly, okay, my story's not big enough. Um, you know, my husband was just looking at porn all the time secretly, and he just had this emotional affair. And so I felt, I started that comparison. And I would get into this group setting with other women who had a similar story and just felt like I shouldn't be there. So I hated going to group. And I went for six weeks and was led by a therapist. And she said, you need to just keep coming because you do belong here. Everyone deserves to heal no matter their story. And there's no too big and too small. It's like the same work. And so I kept going. And I realized as I was diving into this, you know, head first and saying, I want to fix my marriage. I want to find healing so that I can be with this person. That's my why. And yet that's not my why. <laughs> that can't keep you going, right? So uh, six weeks into that work, I was hating group. Um, I knew that my why needed to shift, um, but I wasn't ready. And that's when um, my former partner said, I need to tell you some more. And it was like a full disclosure of really what had been happening and, he, and how they do it is they tell you everything. So from, you know, 
his teenage years up until the time of that day, which gave me a lot of empathy to understand why he was choosing the things he was. And it was also really painful to know, okay, there's more. And there was this second affair that had happened the year previous that I didn't know about that he was planning to go to his grave with. But because we were getting help, you know, and they felt like I was ready to hear it, they did. So from that point on, it was really like, okay, it doesn't matter what my story is, this hurts. And I don't deserve to feel this way. I've got to shift my belief because I felt like a shell of a person. Um, I could feel successful in my work and confident in my parenting and also think I was so ugly and worthless and hated who I was. So I dove into that work. I worked on my shame resilience. I started to learn to take care of myself. I started working out every day, eating healthier, um, learning how to feel, which sounds so silly, but I, you know, you asked me how I felt then and I was mad and I was sad. And now I can name, you know, 75 emotions and it's 10 a.m. because that's how much I feel. I just didn't recognize it before. And so I started to learn that I could feel both. I could be mad and sad and I could also have joy. And that's why I was trying to numb these ones because they were so uncomfortable. They were the elephant in the room. But over here, there was still joy and there was still good. And so that narrative of I'm not enough started to become I'm more than enough. And as the years and the work went on, it became I'm beyond enough. And my why became me. I deserve healing for me. I want to heal for me. And I wanted to take care of myself for me. And in turn, it helps my children. In turn, it helps the people around me. I can show up for people if I'm using self-care as a daily tool. So about, what, two years into this, we call it recovery from betrayal trauma. And uh, my former partner had sex addiction. We decided we wanted to give a testimonial and say, hey, this is something that we had no idea there was help for, and we didn't even know we had had a problem, but we knew it hurt. And we ended up making a video that went viral and sharing with the world this painful process that we had found hope in the healing that we'd found. And that really changed our life. I mean, the day that came out was Valentine's weekend, just ironically, and we had people showing up at our door flooded with emails and messages saying, me too. And they were from all over the world. But we don't know what we don't know. And I didn't know that my pain was valid. I didn't know that I could find healing from it. It just felt like consuming and that I would never feel better. And so to see that it was really doing what it was meant to do, to help people have hope and to know that they could get help felt awesome. Uh, So a year later, I have so many people reaching out. I realize I think I can do something with this. I'm going to help other women. And I started creating these groups for women to come together again from all over the world, all different cultures and backgrounds, beliefs, and different stories, 100%. But they would come together and day one, they're vulnerable. They're crying and sharing the hardest things of their life that they don't share with anyone, even the people they love the most. And so you bond so quickly, you feel that validation, you feel like you're not crazy anymore, 
and there it makes sense why you feel the way you do and then we start to shift and we start to move forward we start to take care of ourselves and it's a beautiful thing so it was amazing for me to shift but it's even more amazing to see others start to step into that and to realize they have a lot more power inside of them than they even realize so been doing that for uh, years uh, a few years and we started a podcast and we started sharing our story and topics with a therapist who specialized in addiction and betrayal, not my therapist. And it was this weekly conversation where we could come together and spread hope and different perspectives, each side of, you know, all the terms that we learned, gaslighting and shame and, and resilience and how we can overcome these really hard things. And again, that changed our world. Our reach became bigger. And we just did this for free for four years with no intent, but just to give, to give hope that there was more and that people didn't have to be alone, even if they didn't have the resources like we'd had for therapy. And we even created a few programs that were for people that you know didn't have resources, that they could do these programs all over the world. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so I felt really great. I was feeling solid, feeling kind of on top of the world. Everything had been, we'd worked so hard to get where we were and then, okay, everything's going great. Let's go buy a new house. Let's go buy a new car and let's do all these big things in our business and really grow and help more people. So it was exciting. This was this year. Uh, so we're eight. Well, this is year nine of us finding recovery and really working it every single day, practicing what we preach and helping others do the same. And so week one of January, we celebrate our 21 year anniversary. We're moving forward, have these big plans for the year. And a week later, it's, I want a divorce. I'm out. And so it was, I'm up here so high and happy and I fell so far. And so I went from, wait, I know how to do all these things. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to heal. I know I shouldn't go to comparison, but this feels like betrayal again. It's different but I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know that uh, my partner was unhappy and that we weren't on the same page. And so I got to, again, <laughs> it was Valentine's weekend um, that this all happened and became solid. Like, this is really what we're doing. We're going forward. We are getting divorced, which meant our business was falling apart. Our partnerships, you know, it affected their life and their livelihood. And the house we were buying, okay, somebody else needs to buy that. Um, scrap all the business plans, all these things. And yet I'm here showing up on social media. I have been for eight years and people are saying, what's going on? Where are you? What's, you know, tell us more. What's going on? And I'm over here in my bed going, I don't even know what's going on. I, there's no way I can show up for other people. I have to show up for me just like I always have. And me right now is... On, on the ground in a puddle, not knowing what to do, even though I know what to do. It was a new arena. And so all these tools that I had been using and learned, it was like, wait, this is something new, and so I don't know how to apply them. 
And I got to um, that low point where I was having that suicidal ideation and it seemed like the right answer, which blew my mind because my own brother committed suicide 11 years previous. And so that was never something that I'd felt, never something I could understand because I knew from the other side how it felt so much love and, and guilt that you couldn't help that person. And here I was feeling those feelings going, I'm here. This, my brain is telling me that this is what I should do. That's heavy. And, um, I was brave enough, I guess, that I text my former partner. We were separated at the time and just said, I am not in a good place. I realize where we're at and that you are choosing this, but it's putting me in a place where I need help and I don't know who to tell, but I am at the point where I want to take my life. And he did show up for me in that moment. And, um, I mean, we're friends. We've been friends for 21 years, and he was able to talk me out of that and help me see that this was not truth. This was my brain mixed up and held space for me in that time. The next day, I called my doctor, and I said, I need help. I've never felt this low, and I think it's situational depression, but I'm having suicidal thoughts, and I know medication's not going to help me immediately, but I need help. And all of the doctors are behind right now. All the therapists are behind because of COVID and so many people are hurting. So they said, we don't have you know, an appointment for a few months, but because I was having suicidal thoughts, it became more serious. They got me in. And for the first time, I'm 41, I went in and asked for help. I scored really high on uh, depression and anxiety. And so they put me on medication and she said, it's going to take six weeks for you to feel better. So you need to make sure you have a plan and people to support you and that you continue to take care of yourself. Keep using all the tools that you know how to do, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to do any of the things that I knew helped me and I'd done them. And it was like an easy habit, no brainer every single day for eight years. And I didn't want to do any of it. I'd lost all motivation and yeah, I knew I needed to take those pills. <laughs> So I did. Um, within days, I felt better. And I don't know if it was a placebo. I don't know if it was this gift from God, but I felt better. And I took it. And I said, I don't care if it's not real. It's real to me right now. And it feels better than it did three days ago. Um, I had enough motivation to say, I know I need to connect to a higher power every day, even if it's two minutes. I need to. Even if I'm mad, <laughs> I need to tell him I'm mad. Um, I need to move my body. Even though I don't want to work out, it's been easy. It's actually my job to work out. I'll go on a walk. I can walk my dog. I can stretch, do some yoga. So I went from, okay, I'm going to 30 minutes to 45 minutes every day, work out for eight years, to maybe 10 minutes. I can do 10 minutes. So I started really shifting all the daily things that I was doing to self-care way down. And I gave myself a lot of grace and a lot of just surrender and acceptance of this is where I'm at. It's a new stage I've never experienced. I don't know what I'm doing, but I have a lot of support. I had uh, three therapists who were, you know, there for both me and my former partner and just saying, hey, we're here. 
and we can help you. So we had this weird, not everyone has this when their world falls apart, but I'd already been in this world. I was already in therapy and choosing to do it because it felt good. Uh, so I, at the time I wasn't in trauma. Now I'm in trauma and I already had this huge backpack through, you know, my 72 hour kit is what I like to call it. It was full, like I was ready to go. And so I had all these tools. It wasn't like learning a whole new language. I just had forgotten some things. So I had to keep practicing again. Oh yeah, I actually do know how to do this. And so slowly and slowly I started to feel better and I can do this. I'm going to lose a lot of things, friends, family, my job. I don't know how people are going to respond. Uh, you know, we built a following of millions of people through our podcast who found hope in our story. And now our story was changing and I was terrified to hurt them, even though I was hurting. And I did therapy on letting go of that that I can't soothe other people, that I can't, you know, I have no ability to choose how they show up and see my story. So I really just dove into taking care of myself. And I even took a week and I just ran away. I told my partner, hey, you've got the kids. I need to just go take space. And I went to my hometown of St. George, Utah, where it's red rocks and sand and hiking. And I stayed in a hotel that would deliver my breakfast and deliver my dinner to my room. I didn't turn on the TV. I didn't turn on music. And I just journaled. I sat in the quiet. I reconnected to me and who I was. I reconnected to that higher power. I went hiking for hours and just cried. I would just sit and do yoga flows and meditation and to feel peace and hope. Hope that as low as I was, I was still climbing. I was pulling myself out of that using all the tools that I had before. So I slowly um, keep doing all the things with grace and, and it's a different version of me. And I go to that doctor checkup and I slowly start getting lower and lower on the scale of depression and anxiety. And what I loved about that doctor visit is she wasn't saying these pills are going to make you better. She was making sure I was going to therapy. She was making sure I was exercising and, and eating healthier. And it's this combination to feel better. It takes all of it. It's it's overall mental health, physical, spiritual, emotional. We need it all. And so I, again, keep going and going. And I start to, as we announced that, hey, we're, we're uncoupling, we're getting divorced. I was terrified. But people really showed up and were very supportive and saw that I was heartbroken, but also that I had accepted that this was my reality and that I was leaning in. I was choosing to do this as well, rather than fighting it like I was in the beginning and was able to just keep rising. And so the hard part is I'm at this point where I feel really guilty that I'm really happy. It's eight months into our divorce is final and I feel really good. It's as if that this was always meant to be, 
which doesn't make sense to me, but I am this person who can continue to do, I mean, I'm not doing anything big. Everything I do is like little. It's just, I'm consistent. And I do these little things every single day. I do this thing called dailies and I've done them for eight years and I didn't start out doing them all at once. And I think that's the major key is I started to build these little habits. Again, they're not big over time. So I'm eight years in, nine years in to these daily habits. So it starts with a spiritual devotional. So it's different for everyone, but for me it's meditation. So I'll take four minutes because everyone has four minutes. So I usually do it at the end of my workout when I am stretching and it's a guided meditation while I'm cooling down. I also choose to do intentional movement, which is exercise. But again, I could go on a walk with my dog. I could have a goal of 10,000 steps a day, or I can choose to go and do a workout for 30 minutes. And I am back at 30 minutes, finally. It's taken a lot of months for me to get there and have that motivation. So those things right there. Um, I try to stay hydrated. I drink half my body weight in ounces of water every day. Um, I eat one healthy meal a day at minimum. So I'm trying to get my vegetables in, protein, some fiber, things like that. Uh, I choose to self-care every day. And self-care, for me, I don't have my nails done. I don't get my hair done much. It's not that for me. Self-care is I take a shower every single day. That's non-negotiable, okay? I choose to get enough sleep, non-negotiable. I don't stay up all night and then wake up early. I don't sleep in super late. I'm very, like, I'll, I'll go to bed at 10.30 and I'll wake up at 6.30, very average. Um, another non-negotiable, I get outside every day because even if I go sit on my porch and I take off my shoes and put my feet in the grass, that gives me time to just connect back. Like I'm out of my house. I work from home. It's super easy to just stay in the house all day. So getting outside. Uh, I also choose to do some type of personal development. So I'm listening to a podcast, I'm reading a book, or I'm watching maybe a YouTube video or something that makes me curious, makes me grow, makes me think. Anything that really connects me back to why I am the way I am and where maybe I can move forward in different areas. I choose to uh, check in with myself in, with my feelings. So there's this thing called the feelings wheel, feelingswheel.com. And you go around the wheel and you just check in and again, Feelings just, they are, they're not good or bad. Some are uncomfortable and some are really exciting, but I can feel both at the same time. And for me to check in with myself throughout the day and notice like, oh yeah, I'm really happy and I'm also grieving and that's confusing, but it's okay because it's normal. And when I can own my emotions rather than letting them own me, I can show up as a better me. So again, nothing big, but it's just that mindfulness. Um, I also use journaling as a tool, which no one really usually loves to journal, but journaling for me with intention is so different. So if I find my head spinning in like a broken record of either really negative beliefs or worries, I know I have to journal and I follow a journal prompt. So it's, I feel, and I use that feelings wheel. And then I go to, I fear, I call that my spike narrative. It's not me, but it's sometimes that fear is stemmed in truth. And so it starts with what if, and goes from this little 
molehill to a mountain if I don't control <laughs> what's going on. So I write all of my fears down, okay? And then I go to what is true. Find the truth and, and settle my brain down. And then I go to what do I need? What do I need to feel better right now? Oh, maybe I should go on a walk. Maybe I need to listen to a song. Maybe I need to go on a drive and sing Bohemian Rhapsody at the top of my lungs because that makes me feel better. Okay, so that is a tool that's in my tool belt that I don't use every day, but I definitely use it when I need it. I'm also checking in on my triggers. So if I find myself in a reaction mode, I'm feeling defensive. I mean, it can come from a comment on Instagram. Someone sending me a message or a text and I find myself, oh, I need to check in with myself. Why am I triggered? What's going on here before I respond? <laughs> which is harder to do. Um, so these things, there's a lot of them, but, and again, I didn't do them all at once, but it's like one thing led to another thing. So I can go and listen to personal development while I'm outside, while I'm walking. I can start to stack my habits onto the other. And what it did is that my world, when you're grieving, when you're going through these hard storms of life, your world feels out of control it's chaotic and sometimes when we want to find control we do maybe unhealthy things I was definitely one of those people like I'm gonna overwork I'm gonna just work so much that I don't have to think about it or I'm going to clean so much that I don't have to think about things and these aren't horrible things but they are if they're keeping you from actually dealing with the storm in your life so these are the things that got me to really accept my reality and start to take control of my own life and say, I'm tired of life happening to me. I'm taking control and I'm going to curate my life the way I want it to be. And there's still going to be storms, but I can use these really simple tools and be consistent at it. I can modify as needed. So let's say I, might, I want to work out every morning, but sometimes like my kid woke up sick today. So I'm going to choose and prioritize her over that workout. But guess what? It's still a priority for me. It's just a non-negotiable. So I shift it. So I've been able to learn. I went from this all or nothing mentality of if I don't do it right, then I shouldn't even do it. I'm a failure to I didn't do it right today, but I can do it. I can work out at 10 a.m. I have the freedom to do that. I'll just do that. And next day, I can go back to my other schedule. So it's little things like that that, again, I didn't learn overnight. It was practicing over and over and being consistent at showing up for me and giving myself that grace to say, hey, you got this. You can do these little things. Like, you're not doing anything big. Just keep doing these little, little, little things, and they'll add up. It's like I say, when we find ourselves in grief or a storm of life, we have to take one giant step to choose to face it. It's just one. And then after that, it's just a million little baby steps <laughs> over and over and over. Uh, giving myself grace when I was at my lowest, uh, I, knew, I knew that those things helped me. And I think that was so important is I'd already experienced what intentional movement can do. I'd already experienced what connecting to a higher power can do, but I didn't have the motivation. You know, I was doing this white knuckling and saying, I want to do these things and I don't want to do any of these things. So I had a belief 
that was deep inside of me that I knew I needed to do those things. But to find grace for that was like, get rid of the all or nothing, right? And just say, this is good enough because I'm not going against anyone, right? There's nobody next to me saying, you didn't work out for 30 minutes. It doesn't count. No one cares. I was showing up for me. And so to say, I can stack even more right now. I'm going to go to bed with the dishes in the sink because I can do them in the morning. It was little things like that. Or I'm going to order food, you know, for the kids because I don't have it in me to make dinner. That's self-care. Those are the little things that add up. And again, I'm not doing that every night. You know, I'm not ordering dinner every night, but there's a lot of things I've said, hey, these are more convenient for me right now in this season. It's not going to last forever. So instead of maybe making a homemade salad, I'm going to buy a salad kit. It's just easier. I don't want to chop lettuce. Little things like that, as silly as that sounds, is self-care. Because I know that's me giving myself grace. I don't want to do it, so I won't do it. I might as well buy the kit. So the things I've talked about today are filled with a lot of shame. And you may not even understand what shame feels like, but shame is the feeling that we get when we feel like we have to hide who we are and what's happened to us or what we've done. And it's the part of us that stays small and says no one can know. And you feel very alone and very stuck. And that was me for 15 years of my marriage. And when I chose to say, okay, I'm going to turn and face, this is the reality it started with telling someone, someone that I trusted, the truth. And from there it went to, okay, I need to find support and education. So feeling validated that I'm not crazy because I felt really crazy. I shouldn't feel as bad as I do. I'm mean, so of course he's going to do those things, right? Um, also, it's really shameful to say, my partner cheated on me. My partner is secretly, secretly you know, consuming porn all the time because he doesn't want to be with me. That's full of shame. And so I was protecting him, but also protecting me. It was embarrassing. And so now go to divorce. That's, again, culturally really shame-filled. And I've had zero part of me that feels like a failure. It's just my next step. And that's me taking out that shame and saying, okay, so it's, it's speaking our shame, whether you realize you have it or not, you do. And, and saying, I need to find someone that I can trust that can support me. And when, when we feel heard, we stop repeating our story, right? That, can you believe this happened to me? It's not fair. Um, and we feel so hurt and crazy and they're the worst, right? Tell me they're the worst because it feels like they're the worst. Until we feel that validation, we just stay stuck in that spin cycle of telling it over and over and over and over or feeling it inside if we don't dare tell anyone. So finding that support was life-changing for me. Getting educated about why I was feeling the way I was feeling and why they were showing up the way they were showing up helped me to move forward. So if you feel those feelings of I'm alone, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, you know, no one's marriage is this hard or divorce is awful and I don't know what I'm going to do. There's so much help on all ends of the spectrum, no matter what your storm is, maybe it's neither of those things, but you're still feeling alone. Chances are there's 
tons of other people who are going through the exact same thing. And just opening up and being a little bit vulnerable with people who are safe can change your life. I think my superpower is grieving. I've gotten really, really good at grieving. And I think once we learn how to grieve, I wasn't taught how to grieve. It was get over it, toughen up, uh, don't cry. Uh, but when I learned to, that there's this cycle that we naturally follow as humans, and when we push it away and say no, which is what I did most of my life, it still hurts. It's stuck inside of our body. And it shows up in our mental health, in our physical health. And so when I learned, okay, I need to just feel, I need to feel mad, I need to feel sad. I don't have to react in those ways, but I have to feel them. I started to move through the cycle naturally. And I could start to find acceptance and then move into finding purpose. And what I found is I grieve every day. It can be a little thing like, I don't, somebody cut me off in traffic. I can scream and yell because they, you know, made me late or whatever. Or I can just be like, okay, I was mad and I was mad at that person. I didn't react. I can accept I'm going to be late. I can also let the person know I'm going to be late. Um, micro grievances, I think we have them every day. So I think everyone should have the superpower of grieving. I do. That's why it's like, this always, this does feel like it was always meant to be, even though it was like 100% shocking, which is weird. And a part of me feeling, I think the guilt of I'm happy is I do, I mean, this sounds ego, but I get a lot of messages a day that are like, you're different. Like you're shining. You are, you are different than you were last year. And we know you were happy with him, but like you sound different. All of these things, I'm like, am I really that different? Like, I was happy. It's just confusing, I guess. Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.